If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Let us bow our heads together. We know that you are everywhere, Holy One, so this may not come as such good news to you as it does to us, but apparently murder hornets hate Oklahoma weather and are unlikely to move here. We are wondering if that could be true for other things that are problematic. Politicians who use the Bible as a weapon, oversimplifications of what's happening in Gaza, militarization of the police, reproductive health care shaming, to name a few. Except that all of those things are already long-time residents. Most of them qualify for in-state tuition. Apparently, the conditions are just right. But today is Pentecost, Holy One, when we tell the story of the mighty rushing wind that stirred up hearts and minds so much so that people who were radically different began to understand one another. So may the mighty rushing wind the Spirit blow through this place and bring a change in the weather. In the name of Jesus, who promised us an advocate, we pray. Amen. Our sermon this morning comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2 verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? 
Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. It's Pentecost! Colloquially, this day is referred to as the church's birthday, so we break out the red paraments and the red stoles, and some of y'all even wore red today because you are super church nerds and your certificate of achievement is in the mail. We tell and retell the story every year. It is a church classic, so to speak. The Pentecost story we read is loud and flashy, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. The author intentionally uses the word violent or mighty to describe the actions of the wind. Bias, according to the biblical lexicon, this is the only time this particular word for mighty appears in Scripture. What is first heard is then seen. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. These wild descriptions are the only way that Luke felt like he could explain what happened that day. Not what factually happened, but the truth about what happened, or as we say around here, we don't know if this is exactly how it happened, but we know that this story is true. There are some truths which cannot be known except by story. Up to this point, church had looked rather like a series of business meetings. In the verses preceding the ones we read, we find the disciples holding a meeting that is the stuff of church nightmares. They are looking for someone to fill a board spot. You'll remember that Judas removed himself from being numbered among the twelve. We might imagine that they were trying to abide by what was set forth in the bylaws. No more than 15 disciples, no fewer than 12. There are two nominations, Justice and Matthias. The disciples 
cast lots to decide between the two men, which is decidedly less holy than the process we might imagine they should have used to find a replacement, although scholars point out that there was a tradition of sacred dice referenced in the book of Proverbs. Let me assure you that we will continue to use self-nominations, not divine dice, to fill our governing board spots. You're welcome. When they had finished that meeting, they scheduled the next, which is when we pick up the story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Well, of course, that's what people do for a business meeting. They come together in one place. Although, frankly, that seems like a bit of a miracle from where I stand this morning between the worship team staff and the 70 or so members of our governing boards in attendance, there are more people in the sanctuary at the same time than there has been since March 8th, 2020. Getting this many people in one room has taken over a year, over a year of recorded worships, Zoom Sunday school, Zoom book study, Zoom communion, isolation, social distancing, mask wearing, hand sanitizing, and virtual school over a year of all of those things. And then, after that year, coordinating, planning, messaging, a color-coded sticker system, technology updates, liturgy modification, digitizing all that we can, more hand washing, more hand sanitizing, and more mask wearing. Given what we've done to make it to this morning makes me think that being all together in one place for those early Jesus followers might have involved more blood, sweat, and tears than what appears on the written page. If you're not a member of one of the governing boards in attendance, you may be thinking that we are not actually all together. After over a year of holding worship and church meetings virtually, we are well aware that we do not have to be in one place, though, to be all together. And the text confirms this. What the NRSV translates as they were all together is, in Greek, they were all in one accord. This this is when the preacher tells a terrible joke about what kind of car the disciples drove. One accord. Please leave an extra dollar in the offering box at the back. Like the pandemic did with us, the early followers of Jesus had been kept apart by crisis. Theirs was the crucifixion, but now they come together to decide what's next. Hence the business meeting, church people just can't help ourselves. The agenda had been posted and a copy of the proposed amendment sent out to all interested parties at least 21 calendar days prior and included in the bulletin and announced from the pulpit We enter the story after the meeting has been called to order and folks are reviewing the minutes from the prior meeting when, thanks be to God, the Spirit interrupts. Not just once, but many times. This is a story of interruptions, interruption after interruption. The tongues of fire, just the beginning. Those gathered began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Note that it is not everyone started speaking the same language, but that they began to speak the language of others. The church was and is not the Borg Collective. 
This scripture is commonly interpreted as the reverse of Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel episode when God confuses communication between the tower's builders by confusing their language. The Holy Spirit is said to restore the unity among the different people of the world that was lost at Babel in this Pentecost story. And that vision of unity proposed by that particular reading is appealing, to be sure, and the two episodes are certainly connected. The verb used for confuse in Acts chapter 2 appears in the Septuagint's translation of the 11th chapter of Genesis, but scholar Eric Barreto reminds us that there was no restoration of a common language. Instead, the disciples are heard in all of the dialects represented by their audiences. What we witness, then, is not the Holy Spirit erasing differences and working despite it, but instead validating differences and working through it. Which brings us to that long list of names that no one ever wants to help the preacher read. In verses 9 through 11, at least 15 different communities are described. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygian and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Many of these groups were colonized and oppressed people, some by the next name on the list. At the time, Judea, Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt were all Roman provinces. The Parthians, Medes, and Elamites were part of the Parthian Empire. These were all people under the boot of someone bigger and meaner than they were, and they were often pitted against one another. To put it in our context, that long list of unfamiliar names could be summed up in this rewrite. White rural coal miners and Puerto Rican restaurant workers, transgender women and cisgender women, Palestinians and Israelis, people who have suffered greatly, who have been used as a political football, collateral damage, cast as enemies, when really we're all pressed down by the same evil. All of these people have some unique relationship to the empire. Princes and presidents might pit one community against one another as a means of squashing potential radical solidarity. But, Minister Candace Simpson reminds us, the Holy Spirit intervenes and helps these particular people see that their struggle is tangled together. They are not unrelated. They are not in competition. Or as Fannie Lou Hamer, the black community organizer, said, nobody's free until everybody's free. Very few people understood this principle like Fannie Lou Hamer. From a family of sharecroppers, she understood the unique possibilities and assets present in rural communities. Speaking to the unique conditions of black women, she gave a powerful speech in 1971, detailing the challenges and opportunities of building power. But you see now, baby, she said, 
Whether you have a PhD or DD or no D, we're in this bag together. And whether you're from Morehouse or no house, we're still in this bag together, not to try to liberate ourselves from the men, this is another trick to get us fighting among ourselves, but to work together with the black man, then we will have a better chance to just act as human beings and to be treated as human beings in our sick society. Hamer was getting at the heart of this text by using what seemed like total opposites, both she and the Holy Spirit were reminding us that our freedom and liberation is tied up in each other, so we'd better get to working on solutions that will free us all. In the text, all who were gathered heard about God's deeds of power. Because the common thread among these communities was the need for liberation, when they heard the good news that the captives will be set free and the hungry fed, they suddenly understood one another. As a pastor, I am keenly aware that people are being discipled all the time. My concern is who is doing the discipling. The reality is that the church gets you one hour a week, if you show up, but Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson get you an hour a day, and it doesn't seem that either of them are telling the kinds of stories that make for healing or wholeness or understanding or a just peace. We are ever growing in our understanding that we cannot bubble ourselves away from the consequences of racism and sexism, xenophobia, or anything else. Every one of these forces has left its mark on us. Every one of these forces has kept us from being able to understand one another. Maybe the church needs to tell the story of Pentecost more than just once a year. There's so much at stake. There are so many lives on the line. The need to understand one another seems to be the place where we need to start we are in desperate need of liberation from the patriarchy, from white nationalism, from egoism, from self-doubt, from unchecked capitalism, from fear of the other, as if the other isn't also an image bearer of God. The world is in desperate need of the good news of captives set free and the hungry fed. So may the mighty wind of the Spirit blow, and may it remind us that we are all together and all in it together. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only, premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.